FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome to Castaway on the 25th of November. Uh, I have Kerry, uh, our Head of Business Development, and Tom, our Head of the Asia Office. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. Cool. So why don't we do an overview of what's happened in the news this week? Donald Trump agreed that authorities could talk to the Biden transition team in his latest inch towards conceding the election. Shooting broke out in Morocco and the Polisario Front, who were trying to break away from the country as Western Sahara. The UN reported that Iran has restarted advanced centrifuges at its Natanz nuclear site. Two vaccines were announced to be 95% effective and a third cheaper vaccine 70% effective in news that bolstered hopes for return to normality. Australia, New Zealand and 13 Asian countries, including China, signs the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. UK announced a ban on new petrol and diesel cars from 2030 as part of its green industrial revolution. The Federal Aviation Administration gave its approval for Boeing 737 MAX aircraft to fly again after it was grounded after two crashes. And President-elect Joe Biden nominated some of his cabinet positions, including Anthony Blinken for Secretary of State. Right, guys, why don't we go into our indexes and see where movements have happened this week. Tom, why don't we start with you and the iron ore? Yeah, um, the iron ore continues to uh, march upwards. So on the 65% metal bulletin, metal bulletin index, uh, was at $138.15 last week, and now we've broken $140, so $140.20, up just under 1.5% on that. And on the 62% Platts index was at $126.15, and is now at $127.75, so a move of 1.27%. Thank you, Tom. It's worth noting that these indexes are Tuesday the 17th versus yesterday, Tuesday the 24th. Kerry, what about the freight? Well, we've had a refreshingly quiet week, actually, on the Cape size. Uh, week on week, the index changed very little. 11,996 on that 5TC average today. That is down $33 or 0.2% week on week. Uh, whereas the action has really been on the Panamax with 11,247, the 4TC average today. That's up $1,319 or 13.3% week on week. And in terms of oil and products, uh, Brent, we've seen a push up, up 9.39% from 43.75 to 47.86 yesterday. And then this has been reflected on all the products, got positive across the board. Sing 380 was up 2.66%, closing 289.87 yesterday. Rock 3.5% up 9.61% to 271. Sing 0.5% up 4.15%, 3.58 spot 3.1, that's closing. Rock 0.5%, 3.40.5%, up 8.53% on the week. And the Sing High Fives, that's the difference between the very low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil, uh, also pushed up 61.66 to 68.44 in Sing, up 11%. And the Rock equivalent up 4.5% to 69.5%. And then to finish off with the indexes, the tanker market. TT2 has moved up 31.4%, 75.28 to 98.89. TC5 has moved uh, down 1.76% to 79.29. TD3C up 1.47% to 26.21. And TD2 
25, up 26%, 78.75 closing yesterday. Right, why don't we move into the reasons for our movements and any other interesting points uh, in our respective commodities. Tom, in terms of iron ore, what do we see? Um, in terms of uh, real story, it, it, I think it's just, as I, as I keep saying, I, I sound like a broken record, it does feel it's just a sort of continuation of, of the theme into the end of the year now. Um, so port arrivals are still relatively strong, albeit a slight drop uh, week on week, uh, but there's an increase in sort of mid-tier, uh, mid-grade um, tonnage uh, coming in. So PB fines and MAC fines have been uh, landing in uh, China quite strongly over the course of the last week. Um, the... Uh, steel inventory that we've been talking about uh, all the time. So um, Guangzhou, the province of uh, in, in sort of southern China uh, warehouses, have a steel inventory of 1.12 million tons, which is double what it was at this time last year and the same for 2018. So that gives you a real eye opener as to how big those steel inventories that we've been talking about are. Um, the seasonal decrease has sort of started to slow and we should start to see a, a sort of build, I suppose, over the um, uh, over the coming months as we're getting into winter season now, snowy season in China, um, which normally puts a damper on demand. Um, so that uh, decrease in, uh, in stockpiles, we should expect to slow down now as well. Um, <clears throat> other bits and bobs uh, going on is... It feels that it is broadly sentiment driven. I think it is still that Chinese Chinese demand story propping it up, um, and that does still still feel to be very very firm. Um, so you know it's, it does feel very driven by that at the moment. Um, there was a bit of sort of fake news out uh, over the course of the last seven days. So there was an announcement. Um, on Thursday or, or Wednesday last week, I think just after we recorded this, maybe um, around a Vale mine that was uh, being sort of put onto a high alert, um, which sort of spoofed the market or spooked the market a little bit, I should say. Um, that mine is already decommissioned uh, for the for the rest of this year. It's not included in their tonnage uh, forecasts, um, and the alert level it goes on to was uh, not hugely high. So I think that did have some degree of um, impact on the market will be a very short term as people realize that it was a sort of non-event but um not not much in the way of major stories to report i think that theme that i've been saying where you know traders are finding it hard to to justify a position uh, at the moment is you know is is still there um and particularly as we come into the end of the year um books are shut down uh, trading levels naturally come off, and that and that winter season in China will really dampen demand as well. Um, so I, I sort of expect the the trading volumes to remain quiet. Um, that's been reflected in open interest on DCE, uh, which has started to come off. Um, <clears throat> but if, if you know if we do see some severe volatility coming into the end of the year, then you know I would expect to, to see some decent trading activity around it. But unless that happens, I think we're going to be relatively slow for the next six weeks. It does seem to be like that on uh, a lot of other products, especially with the, the fuel market as well, which we'll, we'll come on to, that many of these traders now have gone, if they've they've done well, what's the point in risking it in the last few yeah, weeks of the year? Very much so, very much so. I mean, I think uh, 
And on Iron Ore in particular, as we've discussed before, I think you you had quite a few spectators, um, you know, expecting this not to be quite this high at this point in the year, and so perhaps having uh, having attempted to short the market uh, a number of times this year, now now quieting down and um, and just holding off to see where it goes next. So everything's going to kick off in January, is it, Tom? Fingers crossed. <laughs> We'll see in the when we have our little break on the podcast for Christmas, and we'll come in all guns blazing in January in the iron ore market. So everyone comes in with a fresh face look of a, a whole new year to take advantage of. Exactly. Cool, Kerry. Why don't we move on to you and the freight? Well, the big ships had an unusually flat week, as I mentioned. Uh, this is after a month in which we had become used to swings of up to twenty five percent week on week. Um, so perhaps I should say refreshingly flat week. <laughs> um, for the first time in a while, there were signs that a floor was being found with busier inquiry out of West Australia, helping that Pacific market, lifting that C5 West Aussie to Qingdao iron ore route briefly into the low mid $7 per ton. At the start of this week, uh, a clear out of tonnage in the North Atlantic staunched the bleeding there. And we did see a bit more inquiry actually coming out from Vale and CSN in Brazil that added to the positive vibes, pushing that C3 Brazil-China rate into briefly the mid $13 per ton territory. Um, however, the, the wind kind of came out of the sails a bit yesterday, I would say. Um, a few more offers poured in, in the Pacific. Uh, the rates dropped back to seven bucks on that C5, dropped down to $13 on the C3 for early mid-December dates. Uh, and throughout the week, the paper remained pretty range-bound, with the December contract trading this morning at 13200 value, up about 300 bucks on a week ago, while the Cal 21 has edged up about 250 bucks week on week to trade at uh, $13,125 this morning. It is worth noting that on the FIS Live app, I can see a little bit of support coming in uh, in the region 11850 uh, on the December contract. That's from the lower Bollinger Band level with those Bollingers narrowing now. And a slight shift to positive momentum on the MACD as well. So that's worth watching. Uh, but the Panamax was where the real action was. Uh, looking quite a bit more favorable across the board during the course of the week. In the east, we had very strong demand from no-pack grains, driving rates up with all offers as of yesterday above 12,000 really on the physical market. The Atlantic had been quite strong as well. And while the Baltic area is apparently losing a touch of momentum in the last couple of days with a bit more tonnage showing up, uh, the U.S. Gulf and East Coast South America grain shipments continue to be very strong. The paper predictably jumped quite a bit with the December 4TC average trading 10.825 this morning after a substantial jump last week and then leveling off a bit. Uh, contrary to the CAPES, that December contract on the Panamax may shortly be moving into overbought territory, just a touch. Uh, although there may be a little bit more room for this to play out, it's worth noting that a doji candlestick yesterday on our chart gives also some short-term caution. Uh, the Cal 21 was trading 10,050 this morning, which is largely flat on the last couple of days. Uh, Kerry, you noted uh, the FIS Live and being able to see some of the things that you're referencing. If someone wanted to see that, how would they go about doing that? They'd simply go to our website, freightinvestorservices.com, click on the FIS Live section of the website and register there. Uh, it is free to access for the first three months. 
And again, it gives you the basic technicals and it gives you the historic charting ability. Uh, it's a mobile app, so you can use it wherever you're going. Uh, and of course, it's an award-winning app, having just been named Innovation of the Year the other week. So uh, by Energy Risk Magazine, that is. So yeah, uh, please do go to the website and register for it if you're interested in seeing these technical indicators. Thank you, Kerry. Thanks for that freight update. Right, moving on to oil and products. It definitely, as we were alluding earlier, what Tom was saying, it does have a kind of end of year feeling to the market already early. People are looking at what what stuff do they do. Do they have still to, to hedge or anything else to trade? It's just anything I have to do, we will do. But it seems that things are quite flat. Any sort of edge in anything doesn't seem to be, seem to be there. People are not having that kind of get go of going to go trade some new things. And the only thing that's really seemed to be driving a lot of stuff is that news that we alluded to at the start about the vaccine. We've hit our highest level on crude since since March. Um, because of that vaccine, we, we've pushed above 47 uh, with Biden in the White House as well. Hopes of getting a, a hold of what's looking to be quite a, you know, a bad outbreak in terms of, of the US compared to a lot of other, other areas. Um, which hopes in terms of back to normality, a return of demand, uh, that really has driven that market up quite considerably. As we noted in the index this morning, up 9.39%, 43.75 to 47.86 week on week. Uh, other things which people are talking about now, as well as the OPEC plus um, curbs, decision to extend those cuts into the new year. Uh, we're getting towards that, fresh worries about the future uh, of that cartel and holding things together. But it does seem that we're going to be seeing that, as we noted last week, into next year, uh, and that this is just helping more and more sentiment justify this push-up towards the, the $50 uh, a barrel again, which is what the head of VTOL was saying last week, I think, uh, we're going to see prices move towards. So it is all looking a bit more rosy and positive. Conversely, Saudi Aramco, things are not going too well with their IPO and it seems to be costing a lot of um, a lot of money in terms of keeping up uh, what they had promised in terms of dividends uh, in the first initial IPO and what's actually happening. So hopefully this will push up, will give them a bit more um, profit going into the new year, but it's not looking great for the IPO of Saudi's, Saudi Aramco. In terms of markets and things that we've been looking at, the FOGO has collapsed. Uh, we had noted across all of September and into the start of October, we saw a really nice, almost straight line up strengthening of those FOGOs. Now, uh, last week we were 37 on the Euro FOGO. Now we're minus 50 this morning. Uh, and on Singapore, minus 16 last week. Now minus 26 and a half. So really seeing what we had noted as a strength in the 0.5%, uh, really dissipating and, and falling away and uh, that gas oil price relative to the 0.5 has really started to widen again. The crack, which we would have thought had been some sort of, uh, it's been very strong this year, but especially with these drives up on, uh, on Brent, usually get an inverse relationship between the crack price and where the, the Brent is moving. What we've seen is it's almost been flat. We've only seen a, a range in the last week of minus 4.7 to minus 4.5, yet we've seen the Brent move nearly 10%. So a lot of that Brent movement is now being reflected in those oil prices, those fuel oil prices. 
So those are the kind of things that we've been seeing in the oil markets uh, and the fuel oil markets specifically. Some other bits to note uh, in terms of moving up. Uh, TC2, which we said this morning in our, in our indexes, is quite, quite a significant move. Uh, we're up 31.4% week on week, up to nearly 100 uh, on the index. Uh, and what's been driving this is we've seen uh, a, load, a load of cargoes come into the market, over 10, uh, which you know, was really pushed up the physical, and that has been reflected also in the paper. Um, also popping up uh, in terms of fertilizers, uh, we've seen NOLA DAP futures skyrocket. Uh, and this has been, again, on significantly firmer on the announcement of US government uh, duties on Russian and Moroccan phosphate fertilizer product. So this has been a bit of a surprise to the market. Um, preliminary duties were, now, were announced on Tuesday, a day after they were expected. Uh, it was supposed to be on November 23rd. Furthermore, the market reacted very positively to the rates that were announced. Um, but before the announcement, there were rumors that these duties would be between 10 to 15% on the Moroccan and the Russian, respectively. Uh, however, duties have come out much higher, 23.46%. So a lot of this is driving concern over things. Yeah. Um, and these duties are speculated to be appealed, but nonetheless, the market has already reacted to this and future values uh, were almost $20 higher uh, on the day of that announcement. So flying up on TC2 with those cargoes, will that maintain itself? Well, you know, it's quite precedented to have 10 uh, in a week, especially what we've seen over the last few weeks previous to that, just coming out of nowhere and really strong in the physical and well as well with the FERTs. And it seems that both futures markets have reacted very strongly to what's happening in the in the physical. Indeed. Any further points on our main markets before we start to take a little in-depth look at uh, air freight and new indexes? Not from my end. No, all good for me, Chris. Cool, right. On to Peter. Uh, and on the air freight, uh, Kerry, you're going to take the questioning of Peter Stalin, our air freight guru. That's right, Chris. Last week, I mentioned on the podcast that uh, we had had a big step forward for this market, with the Baltic Exchange taking over as the benchmark administrator for the key air freight index, the TAC index, uh, which is now the Baltic Air Freight Index. Uh, so with our air freight expert on hand here, Peter Stallion, I wanted to ask him a few questions about the development of this. Peter, what impact do you think the involvement of the Baltic Exchange is going to have in the air freight market? Oh, thank you very much, Kerry. I think it's pretty seismic. Um, so when we have sort of everyone's been following this market over the past year, uh, what with coronavirus, what with some pretty enormous swings in the air freight index price as previously tracked by TAC index, which would have been our, our old settlement indices for the FFA contracts that we use yeah. against the air freight market. Um, the Baltic exchange getting involved started back in April. It's really a huge endorsement for the market, the newfound importance of the market, not just obviously all the people listening from the air freight market know it's important, it's a really vital component of global trade. What is very, very different has been the sense that the air freight market is now uh, leading the way, if you like, in terms of airline balance sheets, um, in terms of you know a, a next step for how things are moved across the world with the development of just-in-time solutions, with the development of Amazon, with the sense that everyone wants everything here and now with a day's notice, um, it's all really good for air freight. So the Baltic Exchange 
essentially came along to adopt this off the back of what we were doing. Um, and it, it's really opening up the market to these new players that really need to be there to develop a, a highly liquid and effective FFA market. So you're talking banks, um, trading houses, funds, but also greater access to the wider scope of the physical market, um, which is a massive, massive step for, for effort. And, and as the benchmark administrator uh, now with the Baltic Exchange becoming officially the benchmark administrator of the TAC index, what do you think that means for the reliability of the index, the integrity, the transparency of the index? So uh, a question that always comes up when we're developing uh, pretty much every new market is how reliable and how, uh, how well built are these settlement indices? Uh, we've obviously grown with TAC Index. TAC Index has been working for a very long time. With the Baltic Exchange taking on the benchmark administrator role, and we've seen this, and we can send this to whoever asks for it, whoever asks for methodology for the index, their role has been to overhaul everything from the ground up and make an index that is fit for purpose for the financial industry and for these FFA contracts, and in the future, for a cleared market. Um, what they have done is extremely substantial and very, very categorical. So if you have any questions as to how the index is calculated, it's there in writing. And they also take on the third party audit role, which is again, really, really important for all of the market participants to know that the index is reliable um, and won't do anything unexpected and isn't open to things like manipulation and the data basis is there for the price to be representative of the market. And that's been the key step forward for the index and for indexation in the market is newfound reliability. Well, absolutely. And, and it's that reliability that I think is going to draw even more people in. But speaking of that, I mean, when we talk about triggers for the Baltic Exchange getting involved, you mentioned that obviously the, the massive volatility this year due to the COVID situation, the fact that air cargo is now leading the way in terms of airline balance sheets. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind in terms of what drove this? What drove uh, you know, a, a mainstream index provider to become the benchmark administrator for this? Yeah, sure. I mean, when we started, it was fairly obvious to us that there was there was room for an FFA product and an index. Um, indexation and index-linked agreements and even futures contracts aren't really new in terms of concepts to the air freight market. It's just been held um, sort of out of view for a lot of the, the bigger players in the wider trade markets, if you like. Um, at the start of this year, it seemed like air freight was coming off or coming off the back of a really, really slack, terrible year for most of the market. Um, a lot of these airlines or a few of these airlines were facing huge losses off of the back of the 2019 market. And at the start of the coronavirus pandemic, um, it all started to flip quite dramatically. Um, you saw pretty much a 50% reduction in capacity overnight along a lot of these core trade lanes from Asia and also transatlantic uh, that saw the uh, inevitably saw the capacity or price capacity shoot up. Uh, we saw moves of sort of 200, 300% um, over a month or so into places like Shanghai to Europe and Shanghai to the US. Um, and as a result of that, and similar to some of the other markets we've been involved in, you saw massive widespread contract failure. Um, you saw a few contracts being held on, uh, but for the most part, your contracts or the existing contracting system completely fell apart. 
um, and everyone was moved on to ad hoc purchases. Of capacity. That's that's interesting to me because that is sort of reminiscent of what happened to drive the market to index link pricing on iron ore over a decade ago when we saw the widespread contract failure um, uh, in, and the collapse of the sort of annual benchmark pricing system uh, in the iron ore market, uh, which really drove the development of those futures. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was really, the Baltic was always looking at this index as were their owners, as were the exchanges. Uh, that was really the, the kickoff point and they quickly um, jumped on the market, you know, using this as the, the perfect opportunity to actually push this forward with a bit more speed. And we are now at the, at the, at the end stage, if you like, for that index being published. Um, so it, it's been really a, a developmental process, but COVID has just sped up what was already going on in the background, I think. Um, and what with the potential jeopardy in the market over the next six months to two years um, is going to be very, very important. As we say, for airline balance sheets, most of these airlines we speak to aren't really predicting a return to normal until 2025, which means they need a sustainable source of revenue and income to support that build up, that, that, yeah. that recovery. Um, and cargo is really going to be a really important part of that. So the Baltic recognizes that a lot of these financial institutions we speak to recognize that. Um, and we're really moving on to uh, what might be seen as a, another generation of, of, of hedging instruments, if you like, moving on from your standard fixed price physical contracts that the market has been used to over the past 10, 20 years. Outstanding. Well, it looks like something that's going to be very, very necessary for this market moving forward. As you mentioned, we've seen quite a lot of interest from financial institutions, as well as just from airlines and freight forwarders. Uh, and if you would like to learn more about this index, we will be announcing a launch event uh, in early December between the 8th and the 10th uh, during that week. So keep an eye out for those invites going out. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, thanks for coming on, Peter. That was too. Thank you very much, Gary. Oh, again, yes. Thank you, Peter, for that exciting development in the air freight market uh, and to Tom and Kerry for joining me this week. And we also have a final big announcement that uh, next week we have a special episode. Uh, we we're talking all things Brazil. We will have a representative from the Brazilian embassy coming in to talk to us. Uh, and we're going to have a really in-depth talk about that, the implication for the future for the country and the related commodities there. So do join us again next week for that. Uh, special episode and again thank you to the guys for joining me this week.